0: May you have auspiciousness and causes of success May you have the confidence to always do your best May you take no effort in your being generous Sharing what you can, nothing more, nothing less May you know the meaning of the word happiness May you always lead from the beating in your chest May you be treated like an esteemed guest May you get to rest, may you catch your breath May the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows May the road less paved be the road
1: that you follow. Oh. Good morning and welcome to another episode of RVA Dirts Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday at eleven AM right here on WRIRLP ninety-seven point three FM Richmond Independent Radio
2: welcome to this week's episode of municipal mania where we have the joy of talking to superintendent jason cameras but before we get to that interview uh, melissa and i are here in the station while francesca is uh, at the dentist with a numb face yeah sorry fran (laughs) sorry fran but we need that pretty smile of yours uh we'll be talking a little bit about the strategic plan so um, I'm going to go through it. Melissa is probably going to ask questions along the way and hopefully make sure that I elaborate so that everybody has an idea of what this I is. I will
1: be your every person. I will be just as confused as everyone else. And then Jesse will make it less confusing. Or we'll be confused together, worst case scenario. All right. It's a journey. Come with us.
2: Yes. So so everybody knows and kind of gives a good backstory on this. Uh, the strategic plan is also known as Dreams for RPS. And this came into play after Superintendent Cameras became the superintendent back in February. Um, this is something that regularly comes up as the school board doesn't have a plan, we need a plan, what's the plan, how are we going to do this? Um, so this is what the strategic plan really is. At the time where they started this process, uh, there was no official strategic plan in place. Um, the previous superintendent, Dr. Dana Betten, did have an academic improvement plan that never got fully funded, but it was not a, a strategic plan vision for the entire district. That was really just about academic improvement, whereas this is a lot more comprehensive. The other big difference here is the academic improvement plan was Dr. Betton's plan of how to fix the schools. This is really made to be the community's vision and focus based on their input. So Jason Cameras will talk a little bit later about how many meetings and all that stuff, but basically they had a lot of meetings and let people put in their ideas of what do you want to see for RPS as the dream and then another round of meetings of how do you want to get there with specific action items.
1: So did they just scrap everything that Dr. Bedden did or did they take any of his components?
2: So there might be some components that are overlying or overlapping, but that's probably more just coincidence because this is really from the community plan. Okay. Um, I remember back when the school board outed Dr. Bedden, uh, some people made some comments afterward that it seemed that the school board's vision didn't inlo- align with Dr. Bedden's vision. So even if there are things that are similar in the two plans, that's just by, I would say, pure coincidence. Okay. Um, this is really a community-driven plan, and it's a new vision for the new school board. All right. Yeah. Great question, though. So um, through that process, after we got the place of all of the community input, there was also school board input. The goal that was really here was to get a list of items of where they can really focus funds and effort. Something that I note later on in this interview is that this is a lot uh, more items to accomplish. But there were a number of discussions once the community put forward what they they want for RPS. I think it's very difficult to say no to some of these items because it's things that we all know our kids deserve to have. So there are five priorities that came out of all of those community meetings. And by the way, this uh, strategic plan is available on the the Richmond Public Schools website. um, And it is 49 pages in a PowerPoint. really organized
1: i do have to say i appreciate the way school board is actually very transparent and they put all of their stuff up they're a lot more organized than city council in that respect
2: yeah so actually there was a a kind of a little back and forth that happened earlier this year where um the new administration was posting documents the day of the school board meeting on a monday and the school board requested that superintendent cameras and his admin post everything by close of business friday
1: and doing stuff like that keeps people from showing up at meetings where things have been continued and they are unsure if they're allowed to speak or not. This happens all the time at city council where stuff gets continued five minutes before formal meeting and everybody's there like, hey, I, I took off of my job to be here. Yeah, so yeah. I man, I appreciate that. Good job, school,
2: school board also doesn't have the same like So school board actually does all public comment up front at the beginning. Ah. So instead of along the way where you'll have consent agenda or regular agenda comment, you'll actually comment on everything absolutely up front. And another piece of that is that you don't necessarily encourage you to sign up because there's an allotted amount of time for it. But even if there's something that's on the agenda or not in the agenda, you still have the ability to show up. And if there's time to speak on it, even if it's not on the agenda. So council has a little bit, I think, more structure that sometimes prevents people from coming into speaking, which is then compounded by the problem of the fact that they don't have a finalized agenda with documents the Friday before. Sorry for that soapbox.
1: No, I, I hope that some council folks are listening to that. You know, So, or y'all should add your council folks on that one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, there's five priorities within the strategic vision plan. Priority one is exciting and rigorous teaching. Priority two is skilled and supported staff. Priority three is safe and loving school cultures. Priority four is deep partnership with families and community. Priority five is modern systems and infrastructure.
1: Wow, that sounds really um, humanized and not... Sterile. That's pretty nice.
2: Yeah. And I think that's something that's of note, as I mentioned, is that the the academic improvement plan was just academics. You'll note that some of these uh, priorities are based around the culture of the school, making sure that our teachers have the resources that they need to be able to actually accomplish what we need them to do. Would we call this whole child you know, I might. One of the things that just recently came out after they got through all of the uh, different items and got all of the community buy-in in this community plan is they uh, meticulously went through and got a cost estimate Ooh. for all of them.
1: All right. So lay it on me.
2: Yep. So just so you know, each of the five priority classifications has eight action items. Okay. So. All right. That's 40 action items here total. So, 40 items is what this cost is. And this is over five years. It's $150 million.
1: Which seems like a lot, but at the same time, it's not cheap to whole child educate your child.
2: And again, you know, we didn't get here overnight. No. (laughs) This is is after years of neglect. A long time coming. So with that 150 million dollars I want to break down how these are spread across the priorities because I think this is really key. Okay. So priority 1 is exciting and rigorous teaching. So that is really the academics and making sure we have the best education for students. That out of the 150 million accounts for 91.85 million. So almost 100 million or 92 million out of 150 million, a lot of this is really towards academic improvement. And that's where you get into the the MOU, where we have to get all schools accredited. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where the bulk of these funds are actually going, as a heads up. So then the um, second most expensive, I guess, if you want to put it that way, is uh, skilled and supported staff. And that is a total of $36.68 million. Because
1: I bet you, if our staff is skilled and supported. The education stuff will
2: come a lot easier. Yeah. So if you think about that between um, exciting and rigorous teaching and skilled and supported staff, that is $128.5 million of the $150 million that's proposed over five years. Okay. So that's 85.6% of the funds are going towards really classroom education and making sure the schools have the resources of just the adults in the building um, to make sure that the kids are, are supported to achieve what they need to. Um, the next one would be a safe. Actually, the next most expensive, actually, priority five, which is modern systems and infrastructure. And that's $10.4 million dollars. Then it is priority three, which is safe and loving school cultures, a total of $6.65 million. And then priority four is deep partnership with families and community at $3.94 million. So it's a hefty price tag. um, And over five years, which technically we're in the middle of the first of the five years, so it's really over four years going forward, it is – a pretty a pretty good chunk of money the the first year amount that they were looking for this year is just under half a million dollars is what they worked on already and started on some of these items in the plan next year it it would be an ask of 13.76 million dollars and then following that it's 31.95 million dollars and then after that 45.22 million dollars and then in the final year 58.1 million dollars Which again, these are really, really big numbers, but I have to just keep emphasizing and saying this over and over of of how severely underfunded education has been in the state of Virginia. Right. Um, This
1: is not a new thing. It is going to cost a lot of money to get us uh, modernized and moving towards the future.
2: Yeah. So I kind of want to just take a look here at some of maybe the items that are actually in this uh, list here? Yeah, sure. All right. So what are those priorities for? I want to take a step back and just talk about what the goals are. So the 10 goals that they want to achieve over this five years is to, one, achieve 100% full accreditation, two, increase the graduation rate as well as the percentage of graduates attending a two- or four-year college, three, increase proficiency and advanced rates in reading, writing, math, science, social studies, overall and for each subgroup, Four, decrease the gaps in proficiency and advanced rates by race, socioeconomic status, English language learner status, and IEP status. Increase teacher retention overall and by subgroup. Increase student satisfaction, for example, with school culture, building cleanliness, engagement of class levels. Family satisfaction and staff satisfaction overall and for each subgroup. Increase student enrollment overall and for each subgroup. Decrease chronic absenteeism overall and for each subgroup. Decrease suspensions overall and for each subgroup. Increase funding from local, state, and federal and philanthropic sources. So, a lot of those are definitely things that are reflected in the MOU and are really just things that are like, yeah, we all want that. <laughs> Right. How can you not? Right. And so then that's where the priorities, the five priorities, are really part of how they're going to achieve it is those are the five focuses. And then each of those has the eight action items within that. So when we talk about the most expensive one, priority one, exciting and rigorous teaching, some of the actions, I'm not going to go through all of them. um, But one of them is develop and implement an innovative research-based equity focused do whatever it takes literacy plan to ensure that all third graders are reading at or above grade level. So... This is a huge one um, because obviously, if third grade is around the time where you stop learning to read and you start learning comprehension, so if you're not able to read at the age of uh, when you're in third grade, there's a much higher likelihood of you dropping out. And right, then, isn't
1: this the one where they say if you don't read well or at your grade level by third grade that you are likely to end up in that school to prison pipeline?
2: Yeah, so I'm um, someone and I. have to go verify it for myself. So I've been trying to find the actual documentation. But a couple years ago, someone mentioned to me that one of the ways they project future prison populations is actually by like third grade reading literacy rates.
1: Wow, that's just mind blowing to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's the real like left behind place is that third grade. So if you think about how much money that's so critical, we're asking for money for a school district. So that could be things such as tutors or different programs. So then they also have on here adopt new English and math curricula, not just textbooks that are rigorous hands on, and engaging so it's evolving the curriculum and um, also they have stuff in here about expanding preschool to two years so they would add three-year-olds fantastic Um, absolutely and uh, well kids
1: are moving a lot faster. They're leaps and bounds ahead of where I was, you know, at three.
2: And then also a comprehensive review of the special education referral process, as well as the IEP protocols. So these are just some of them. Some of them are also like course audits, um, but that's not all of them. But you can see how that number really adds up because that's such fundamental stuff that our kids need. Um, So priority two, skilled and supported staff I thought it was interesting to see that you can, on here, uh, launch an effort explicitly focused on increasing and retaining the number of male teachers of color in RPS. Huh. Yeah. Is, is that a – that's a problem? Yeah. Wow. I mean, you want to make sure, first of, all, first of all, people of color and then also teaching is mostly dominated by women. It's true. That's true. Um, and so then we put both of those together – I really appreciate, you know, the thought process into this of people want to see, and remember it's a community plan that the school board agrees with, of seeing people that look like the students and having role models and having someone they can just relate to and understand them. And generally diversity and inclusion is always a good thing. So Absolutely. that's one of the things in this, yeah. Uh, one of them launch an annual gala celebration to honor educators.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, because teachers have... 100% the hardest job. Any sort of incentive to keep them going and let them know that they're appreciated and their, their work is not going unnoticed, I mean, I'm going to be for.
2: Another one is provide ongoing training to help RPS staff identify and confront our implicit biases with respect to race, socioeconomic status, country of origin or citizenship status, LGBTQ identification, and other elements of personal identity. In doing so, affirm our commitment to all students and staff. And those are things that are just in addition to paying our teachers like the professionals that they are. Um, when we go into priority three, safe and loving school cultures, that involves things such as trauma-informed practices, restorative justice practices, um, increased uh, the number of staff providing mental health and social supports, ensuring that schools have a nurse, a celebration for RPS students every year.
1: Uh, and also, yeah, to let them know that they're valued and that everybody cares. Well, and
2: specifically for ones that have taken extraordinary steps mm-hmm. to positively impact school culture. Then you go into priority four: deep partnership with families and communities so which has been lacking which has been seriously lacking so that's one of my favorite has to be provide customer service training for all school front office staff
1: oh my gosh yes please yeah i I, gosh i remember my front office staff from
2: high school yeah and then there's i'll go into that yeah you can hear the bitterness in my voice and then there's also training teachers on how to respectfully conduct home visits to establish that relationship with parents instead of just asking again, what's well, parent engagement? Come to us; it's going to them. Um, launching a family academy that provides training for parents and caregivers on topics such as special education processes, student advocacy, and adult literacy. So there's a lot of stuff here that is about supporting it's the whole child in a lot of ways, as far as like what the school district can do and is responsible for, and. Priority five is modern systems and infrastructure. I mentioned this is, I think, the third most expensive item. Uh, The one that everybody Um, goes to right away is the facilities.
1: Yeah. Right. That's that's our, our main gripe. That's everybody's main gripe. Right. Shockingly, not with this. Really?
2: Yeah, so this is actually beyond just the school construction piece of this. Okay. So this is um, modernize and better integrate core technology systems. Uh-huh. Uh, so like right now the HR system is a nightmare. That's part of why they have struggles calling people back is because just the the, the system itself, that they the tech that they use is so outdated. Oh, well, that's mm-hmm. not shocking. Uh, develop a comprehensive rezoning plan. Develop an advocacy campaign to create the political will for comprehensive funding of our facilities needs. So a piece of it is about the funding of those needs, but not specifically the needs. Okay. All right. Um, increase on-time performance of our bus system by rethinking routes and adding vehicles' drivers. Improving the nu- nutritional value and students' satisfaction of RPS Meals Program. Implement an equity-based funding formula that ensures that su- schools need the most, actually receive the most. That's a modern system of infrastructure. Yeah. So, again, even um, beyond when we talk about school construction, because I think that's something I've seen as people keep talking about the cost of, I think it's, I think it was over six hundred million dollars to f- fix all of the schools physically, and then people say, "Well, this hundred and fifty million dollars is is crazy." Da 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 da. Like, there's not one thing in here that I could say I disagreed with.
1: Right. That doesn't sound crazy or extraneous or you know unnecessary. All of that sounds really necessary to get RPS. On track, not back on track, on track maybe for the first time ever and moving towards the future. We've got to compete and we've got to keep up and we've got to have something to keep kids in our schools instead of going to the counties or going to the private institutions, which I'm not going to knock. But, you know, we need... Kids here, they need to be able to go to their neighborhood schools, and they need to, the parents need to know when they send their kids to the schools that they're safe and happy and well-educated. The more well-rounded your teachers are, the more well-rounded your kids are going to be. To me, as a non-parent, this sounds exciting. Yeah. I can be a Debbie Downer sometimes. Um, but it's nice to read something like that and feel good about it and feel positive and hopeful. So I hope that other people, when they hear this, support it and feel positive and hopeful and know that the community was engaged in making that.
2: Yeah. And I think the big thing is, you know, where do we go from here? Right. It's it's about not just getting the money, but also how are we going to implement each of these items and have the people, the staff, the resources, like, what's the plan of implementation of these 40 action items over five years? Because that's the one piece that it's now time to start developing is that. Right. It sounds really awesome,
1: but how do we make it happen?
2: Obviously, a piece of that is we've, I had a plan previously, uh, the academic improvement plan, uh, and it didn't get funded. And so now we have a pretty hefty ask here. And let's talk quickly and just walk through what the budget cycle for schools and how it plays into council looks like. Okay. Because there's a number of different funding sources that we could try to lobby for. So first of all, at the local level, because schools are funded by local dollars, uh, state dollars, and then also federal dollars, and uh, there's a funding formula and all this super fun stuff that we won't get into now. But with the local portion of it, that's one place that we as individuals can lobby our city council and our city government for parts of this increased funding that schools are looking for. Um, And then, of course, there's also the state advocacy piece of it, where the state government can and should be funding schools better today uh, than they were prior to the recession. Um, So we need a lot more also from that state funding piece of it because the city has really been holding up the, the brunt of how we can fund schools. But we still need, obviously, a lot more. Right. So- What's gonna happen is on the state side of things, uh, you have the General Assembly that's coming up. So Governor Northam recently announced a couple items that are going to be in his budget. So he's going to announce his budget and then General Assembly will start and kick off in early January. Um, and then they're going to go through the budget cycle and all of the amendment papers. And ultimately they're gonna get a budget approved. I believe it's around the March timeline um, okay. is when the ideal world try to get it approved because that's when the General Assembly ends, I believe. there's I can't remember which year is the long year and short year honestly, right now. But we're in one of those two years. Nonetheless, they're going to come through the budget and then it ultimately gets finally approved and signed off on the governor for starting in July. On that side of it, there is a march that is January 28th. It's Virginia Educators United. So we just had the march for more on December 8th. Now this is one that is organized uh, by grassroots community members and specifically teachers, and that is to lobby the General Assembly to put more funding for schools into the budget. So one of the things that people are specifically asking for is that there was a recent Supreme Court legislation or Supreme Court decision that allows states to collect sales tax on products that are sold, like if I purchase something online from a company that's out of state, now Virginia collect, could could collect sales tax on that okay. if they so choose to. Today, the way the law works is that the uh, state would automatically put that funds if they did decide to collect the tax towards uh, infrastructure and transportation. But what they're lobbying for is to try to move that over to possibly a school construction bond. So this is kind of the piece that things that like Paul Goldman with the school referendum, Bill Stanley, School Modernization Committee are really pushing for. Um, and of course, if it's money for schools here for it. Let's do it. Of course, with Amazon coming into Virginia, I have no idea how that will end up playing. So that's definitely something we need to keep lobbying for because Governor Northern's proposals are definitely not everything that we need, and they're not enough. There needs to be more. So the next step is really to be lobbying the General Assembly for more. And that's an example of one of the pieces of things that would be considered more. Um, So then that March on January 28th is on a weekday that people should be going out to to ask their, their legislators and demand from their legislators more. Now, on the city side of things, the first step that happens on the schools is that Superintendent Cameras presents an estimate of needs to the school board. And then that's his basic budget request of to the school board of what do they want. The school board will deliberate and t- take public input and they'll have their own budget sessions to then craft what they present to the mayor, ask the mayor for specifically, and then the mayor will present his budget to council, and then council will have their deliberations and will have their cuts and public debate and everything. So it's a pretty lengthy process. Where they crap on school board. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this year it's going to be a little bit more polite and respectful I hope than last so. year. I really hope so. Because last year it got really nasty over the uh, amounts of fund uh, funds and discrepancies of things. So hopefully this year we're in a better position where everybody's in theory on the same page.
1: And acting like adults.
2: But as you'll find out in our uh, interview here shortly with Jason Kamras, uh, it's going to be an ask. It's going to be a pretty hefty ask. We don't know exactly how much. He hasn't said how much in this interview. Don't get too freaked out, everybody. But it's definitely something that's important and is going to be a a big call to action for the public. Mm -hmm. But that is your quick little here's your strategic action plan. All right. I learned a lot. Hey. I do hope that um,
1: parents especially feel heartened and continue to Be involved and push to make sure all of these things are implemented. Yes. Because just because it's out there doesn't mean it's all going to happen. Nope. Got to stay involved. Got to stay on top of your officials. So enjoy the interview
2: (laughs) to learn even more from the man himself, Superintendent Jason Cameras.
1: You are right smack dab in the middle of a very educational episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Heard every Wednesday right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond, Independent Radio.
3: Let me talk to you, but the way I live, got priorities put in place. I'm a Wilga kid. You can be cool with me, but since I'm To my future And I have a master plan I'm giving all I have
2: Today we have an exciting episode as we close out the year of 2018. We have Superintendent Jason Cameras here.
0: Thank you for having me. Welcome back. Thanks Glad for to be back. back. Yeah.
2: I think the last time we uh, talked to you was after your first hundred days. I think so. Yeah, it's been a minute. A lot's happened. There's been like a whole half school a school year. Things. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Wow. <laughs> So how has the uh, first new school year been for you? You are obviously here toward the end of a school year, but this is the first start of.
0: Yeah, Um, it's always exciting to start school. Um, I remember day one, I got to be at Obama Elementary School welcoming the kids. So that was very, very special. Um, And it's just been great to travel around to schools. I was at Albert Hill this morning and got to see the kids in their harp class. Um, a
1: harp class there's a harp class
0: yes oh, it was man. very cool i just put That's it on so twitter cool. so you can check it out i have to um i was there actually last week uh, the governor visited um so lots of good things happening obviously we have our share of challenges as always so certainly the the high school transcript stuff has has taken quite a bit of our time and energy this year so far but um look step by step i'm excited about the year and looking forward uh, to the future
2: and speaking of the future, I believe there's a groundbreaking. And speaking of the future, actually, yes. and visiting schools, yes. is there a groundbreaking coming up, I believe? Tomorrow
0: morning. Which yes. will actually
2: be today once this airs.
0: Great, yes. So That's uh, really exciting. It is really exciting. Um, if you think about, you know, the meals tax was passed less than a year ago. Yeah, Because um, you
2: were superintendent, so it had to have been February or March. That's right, mm-hmm. that's
0: right. And uh, we'll be breaking ground on green Mason and the new middle school on Hull Street to be named. Um, but yeah, it's incredibly exciting. I do think this is a real example of collaboration between the city and the schools. And uh, I don't know if folks know, we meet every Thursday. Uh, my team and the city administrator and her team and um, we just work through the issues and make sure it gets done.
2: And that's called the joint construction team. That's right, yeah. And the minutes are also on the School Board Docs right. website. So that's it's right. also all public information for
1: us. That's
0: right, absolutely.
2: Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. So with the new
1: unnamed school, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you choose a name?
0: So that will go through the same process as um, Obama went through. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have hearings and, um, you know, ultimately the school board will make a decision.
2: And the kids will still get to have, like, the vote
0: and everything portion of it.
2: So can we
1: just throw our hat in the ring for RVA Dirt (laughs) Middle? I love it. Start a lobbying campaign Are you going to, like,
0: sponsor all the, you know, school swag? or? Sure.
2: (laughs) Stickers for all. Starting (laughs) on GoFundMe now. Go fund yourself. Something else that you guys just uh, launched that's pretty big is we now have the cost estimate and the strategic plan is complete. I think we also talked to you around the time of it launching. So maybe you can catch us up on what that process was like and where we are now with it.
0: Sure. So dreams for RPS uh, is what we call it. Um, It was a really wonderful process. We had over 170 community meetings, over 3000 people participated. And you know what I'm, I think one of the things I'm most proud of since coming here is that strategic plan, because it's not my plan. I really do believe it's the community's plan. It was really written by parents and kids and teachers and community members and you know, it's interesting when I'm out now and we have the plan and we talk about it, um, there's very little that people are um, upset or frustrated about because it's everything that they said we needed to address. And so um, I'm really excited about tackling that. Now, um, I also wanted to be very clear and honest with folks about uh, what this will cost and and as we shared, um, over five years, it's about $150 million. I know that's a lot of money, but if you think about it, you know our budget is about 300 million, so if you're talking 30 million a year, we're talking about a 10% increase. And so I think to accomplish the things in that plan, a 10% increase seems perfectly reasonable to me on behalf of our kids.
2: And so it's a five-year cost estimate, and I believe the first school year is actually the one that we're currently in, right. kind of. yeah, so, so-
0: yes. Uh, so you know, if you stretch it over four years, it's a little bit more, but uh, what we wanted to try to show people is how we were going to pace things out but also how much it would cost uh, year by year and it's not an even amount you know it kind of grows over time Um, but you know it was very important to me that not only do we lay out the plan but be clear about what the costs are. And then we can have a public debate about um, how we get there.
2: So how do we implement my I remember all of the discussion on this. And if people weren't involved in those discussions, I have clear memories of you having <laughs> conversations about let's make sure that we're doing a reasonable number of items yes. of this action plan and trying to I think three was the magic number. I think we might have ended up at five <laughs> for each of them or somewhere around there. So how how are you and your team preparing to tackle something that has really gotten to be, I think, so much of the community is in here and I yeah. love it. And in every piece of it, I, I really don't think I could have picked between like yeah. three things, honestly, it would have yeah. been really tough. But how do you start to tackle this?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like in the uh, pricing plan, we've also shown sort of what we're going to tackle first and what comes second. Some of these things we won't really get to for two or three years. And I think that's, Part of this process, you just have to prioritize. Um, some of the things in the plan are, you know, fairly small in sort of size and scope, and some are massive, and so. We've also tried to balance that out um, so we're not taking on all the massive things all at once. And so, look, but this is going to be an ongoing conversation. If we don't get all the funds that, that we need to execute, then we'll have to have a, another round of discussions um, of what we prioritize, what sort of bubbles up to the top amongst the things we're trying to do, and, and what do we have to press pause on?
2: So speaking of that that budget ask, yes, one thing that w- we talked about, I believe it was uh, at the end of the last school year and when the mayor was doing his budget, I guess, actually last year, was really about making sure that the school district was spending all of their allocated money every single year. Yeah. So I was curious, what have you guys been doing to make sure that that's happening?
0: Yeah. Well, look, we ended last year, so the numbers just came out, with a fund balance, which is fancy way of saying leftover money, of about $400,000. Um, compare that to the prior year, which was $12 million.
2: And that's the unassigned fund balance.
0: That's right. The unassigned fund balance. So we spent our money. Um, this year, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, we've identified some needs that we have right now. And so we've been projecting how we're spending. And so we reallocated $2 million that we were projecting would technically go unspent towards needs right now. And so um, my goal is to uh, end the year balanced but with not a lot left over. um, Obviously, um, we have no shortage of needs and I think it really undermines public trust when you end the year with a whole lot of money left over. At the same time, we don't want to, um, uh, obviously we don't want to exceed what we have. And so you have to kind of ride that line very, very carefully.
2: I think some of the, speaking of riding the line very carefully, because that that was like, as soon as I saw 400,000, I got a little
0: little,
2: little, little anxious. (laughs) Then I read the article, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense, got it. Um, But there was another one with a school construction planning budget that you guys reallocated towards repairs of schools. So can you give us kind of a status update on maybe some of those more necessary repairs that we're going through right now for
3: schools?
0: Yeah, so we reallocated um, or we have requested of the city a reallocation of some of those dollars that were for sort of planning and construction of new schools towards current maintenance, just because the needs are so great. Um, A lot of that work can only happen when kids aren't in buildings. So some of it will begin um, smaller projects over winter break. But then we're going to have to return to things spring break. And then ultimately this next summer is when we will do the majority of that work. There are um, small things that happen all the time, right? Uh, Fixing fixtures and things of that nature. But a roof or a boiler or things like that um, are much bigger projects. Um, But again, the goal is to use all of those funds um, that we're hoping to reallocate um, by the end of this fiscal year.
2: Uh, This is an honest question. I can't even remember. Yeah. Did the money get allocated to the Arthur Ashe Center?
0: Uh, no. So we kind of press pause on that. For okay. Right now.
2: Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> That's what I was like. Well, it doesn't get used a ton,
1: right?
0: It doesn't. Um, uh, although <laughs> there's different opinions on what a ton is. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. But like, I think uh, for me, the larger question about the Ashe Center is as we kick off the rezoning process in January, I think one of the things we're going to have to look at is as part of that is a, a broader sort of step back on our capital Uh, facilities. Um, We have a number of vacant buildings. We have uh, non-instructional folks spread out in a lot of places. And so I think uh, places like the Ash Center, we really need to look at and say, hey, is there a way we can meet the same need, but potentially without this property? And could that then help us fund some of the construction that we're doing? So obviously this is a big and important discussion that we'll have to have over the course of next year. But my hope is we'd come out of that process with kind of a clearer roadmap for what we do with everything related to our our buildings and our facilities and, and so on.
2: One other question that people usually have with asking, of course, for more money for schools is right now where the results and everything are. They're concerned, of course, about oversight and proper use of funds. Um, Something that I always kind of go back to and ask the question of is the corrective action plan and the way that the state is set up with the memorandum understanding with the school district right now, there's that extra layer of oversight. So can you speak on, and just even for my own benefit, on where does a strategic plan really fit in with the corrective action plan? So like, where does this budget ask fit well,
0: I would characterize, you mean you haven't read and memorized the corrective action plan? I've, I've read a lot of okay, it, but
2: not fully sorry. memorized.
0: It's, um, you know, if it keeps you're, Jesse awake at night. That's right. If you are, uh, t- I know there's
2: a meeting about it this week, too.
0: There is. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow night, yeah. Which will
2: be
3: today.
0: Which will be today. Tonight, so today. tonight, there's a meeting on the corrective action plan. We welcome everybody to come out and learn more about it. Um, Superintendent Lane and President Gecker will be there from the state board, so folks can ask uh, these types of questions. But I will say, I sort of look at the corrective action plan as um, what any sort of healthy uh, school system does, right? You uh, kind of get the basics right. And, and then I see the strategic plan as sort of a a vision for the future beyond the basics, right? Because nobody is excited about having a basic school system.
3: Yeah, basic.
0: So, I mean, it's things like, um, you know, get HR fixed um, and, uh, you know, call make sure. Call people back. That's right. Call people back. Have a position description for each job. Um, it's, you know, all those kinds of things. And so there's nothing really in there that I actually quibble with. Um, I think the the challenge for us more on the state side is just there's a lot of um, extra steps, I'll call it, a lot of review of things that we do. Um, For example, um, every one of our position descriptions has to be approved um, by the department, and that just means things just take longer. I
2: remember the lobbyist position. The the description had to be reviewed by the MOU by the state board for that. That's right,
0: Um, and so I think we're still We have a good relationship with the state. I think we're still sort of trying to find the right balance between um, necessary oversight and sort of operational uh, um, efficiency. And so over time, I'm hopeful um, that we'll be able to kind of reel back some of those um, cumbersome practices just so we can focus more on the actual work.
2: How does also some of the the, the headlines that come out of the school district lately, the transcript for example, and um, I think we had some attendance policy things that happened last year. How much of this is coming from some of that oversight with the MOU in the process of fixing those things?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, the high school stuff dates back to at least 2015, so it predates the MOU. Uh, the MOU certainly encompasses it, but a number of those things, like the high school transcripts, um, the state has been looking into um, for some time. I think they are why we have the MOU, because um, the state has been so concerned for, for so long.
2: And can you speak a little bit on the transcripts and like where things stand now as far as reviewing the high school transcripts?
0: So uh, we have a team of uh, folks from the DOE and RPS who have now sat down with the principal AP um, counselors from each of the high schools. To walk through, we have this like 30-part checklist of things they have to look for on the transcripts. And it was a bit of a training almost, a kind of transcript boot camp um, to make sure that everybody understood what the key issues were. And then the schools are now in the process of going through transcripts uh, one by one. And so the uh, that process has started. Um, each high school is at a different point given where they um, were in the calendar of training. And uh, again, the goal is by uh, the end of January to have gone through all senior transcripts. And, um, you know, it is a uh, To be honest, very painstaking. Some transcripts take 30, 45 minutes just for one transcript, just to check every last thing. So um, it is a Herculean effort. We're actually even paying some counselors on a voluntary basis to come in over break to continue uh, to go through. Um, I may even get trained uh, to do some of this just to make sure that I'm fully aware of all the issues and, and come in over break and, and do a few transcripts myself. So we will, uh, we will certainly get it done, but I do want folks to know, as I've said at, at school board meetings, this has put other things on hold uh, because it's really an all-hands-on-deck kind of effort.
2: What are the things that you guys are reviewing in the transcripts to make sure are correct, now at least?
0: Yeah. So a lot of it is the credits. Um, so it's things like, um, uh, quote unquote, local courses. So these are courses that are not state approved. They have to be approved by the local school board. A, a, a large majority of those courses were never approved by the school board. And so we need to identify them, um, identify if we have any documentation of them, bring that to the board to, to get um, approved formally. And if they don't, those have to come off. We're also looking at things like kids that were, um, and, and I just can't explain this, um, they're in Ninth and 10th grade English at the same time. Uh, They're in algebra, trig at the same time, or they were in algebra one three times in a row, um, and they got credit for each time. Or um, they went to the tech center for a CTE class, and they only spend 90 minutes at the tech center for the class, but with the round trip busing, it's about three hours. So kids were getting two credits, but only took one class there. So we have to peel that back. Um, There's a whole host of issues like that um, that are being reviewed.
2: So will will any of this impact any graduating seniors?
0: So as of now, as far as we can tell, uh, no one's going to lose a credit that they need for graduation. Now, that doesn't mean people might not be on track for graduation for other reasons, um, but we have not identified yet anything um, that would make a child not graduate. That being said, there could be. So, I want folks to be prepared for that, but we haven't yet found anything.
2: And I believe you guys have been doing some public meetings about the transcripts. Yeah. Are, are there any more that are coming up or any more communications with parents?
0: Yes, we have. Um, we did one at TJ and one at Huguenot, and we have ones coming up at the rest of the high schools. I don't have the dates committed to memory, um, but we'll, we're getting them out. I think they're on the website. Um, we'll, we'll make, make sure. sure
2: to retweet
1: you when you, you put you. it out.
0: Yes. thank you. Yes. All right. I that's it.
2: a pretty big thing, I think, for parents Absolutely, to understand yeah. fully. Yeah. We did just come off something kind of exciting the March for More. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Speaking of that, really was really that cool.
2: turned out really. Really well,
0: it a couple really hundred did.
2: folks came out for that.
0: Oh, it was more than a couple hundred. Come on. Um, no, <laughs> I'm was not great at
1: counting, so I'm like, it's <laughs> definitely a few hundred. A few hundred? But it looked like a lot of folks.
0: It was a lot of folks. I was really, really proud of the community. Um, and we had folks not just from Richmond, um, Amy Cashwell from Henrico and, and uh, folks from New Kent and ar- around, um, around the state. Um, and look, this is just simple math. Uh, As you all know and you've talked quite a bit about, um, the state of Virginia just has really shortchanged our kids when it comes to public education. And so we were excited to be able to sort of be a part of this process. It's gonna be a long process, as we all know. This isn't gonna be one uh, this week. It's uh, not gonna be one on January 28th, and it's not gonna be one um, in the spring. It's gonna be multiple years of keep fighting for for our kids. And so uh, we're excited to kind of keep pushing that that agenda.
2: By the way, the RPS kids that spoke, Oh my God! Amazing. weren't they so great? They were great. Yeah, I yes. think they were better than. Um, they were. Most of the adults. They are were guys, definitely like, better like,
0: than the adults. Yeah, like
3: um,
0: Deja Waller, Isatu Berry, um, Ty Logan. I mean, these kids are extraordinary. They're by the way, they're all on my um, student advisory cabinet. So that is an awesome meeting. You guys should. I don't know if you want to come one time. Yeah, just, absolutely. That is like. I really want to hear it. Yeah, you totally get the best information. I back was
1: in so impressed by them and their, you know, their passion for education yeah. and getting funding for all.
0: Absolutely.
2: It, well, and just also like commanding stage presence. Was, yeah. It was unreal. I mean, yeah. first of all, to be brave enough. Like, I'm not sure if I could have done it. Yeah. <laughs> and then to just command the attention of everybody there.
1: RPS has got some really amazing kids.
2: Absolutely. So They're worth funding. Come on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So, with that, that was on December eighth, and so you're saying that there's more work to be done. But I thought that Governor Northam just fixed all <laughs> our problems on Monday.
3: Well,
0: we are grateful <laughs> to Governor Northam for uh, his his latest proposals five uh, percent teacher raise which, by the way, just to be clear, um, to go into effect, we have to match. Um, so it's, it's gonna we're going to have to find some money to put up to, to make that happen. Uh, but more money for at-risk uh, students, more money for counselors. These are all good things. But as I shared in my weekly email, first of all, these are just proposals. So we still need the assembly to pass them. And second of all, while we are grateful for them, they are nowhere even close to um, bringing us back to pre-recession levels. So there's still lots, lots of work to do. Um, we'll take every step that we can. We just need to keep the pressure up, which is why we need folks to show up on January 28th for the Red for Ed March. Um, that is a non-instructional day. So if families are looking for something to do with their kids, they should bring them uh, to the march. And we are sort of adjusting. It's a PD day for teachers, but we're adjusting things so that all teachers can participate as well.
2: Yeah, that's something I think that's really exciting is that this is uh, something that we did. The December 8th, March was on a Saturday. And, of uh-huh. course, it was... Ahead of session and yes. goal being to get attention to the issue before they set their agenda. This one, though, January 28th, is the Virginia Educators United uh, is really the teachers, the Red for Ed. And by the way, it's Wednesday today, so hashtag Red for Ed. Yes. <laughs> um, but they organize a march uh, that is actually on a a business day. Right. And RPS is able to support through a professional development opportunity where teachers and hopefully all teachers, and that means also all parents. Yes. For kids and whoever can on that day, hopefully, can come.
0: Yeah, we want everyone to show up. Wear your red. Um, We have to keep the pressure on, and it's not going to end on January twenty eighth, right? We're going to have to keep fighting every single day um, this year, and then ultimately next November, um, we really need to hold uh, folks who are running for the assembly accountable. And basically, you know, I believe it really should just be a litmus test issue. Like, are you for kids or not? Are you for teachers or not? And um, I think if we do that, we can get the right people in the assembly, and then. I really do think with the new budget from the governor, uh, a new biennium, and potentially um, a number of folks in the assembly, then we can really achieve what we're trying to do.
2: So speaking of also money, are you ready for budget season number two?
0: Yay! (laughs) Oh, (laughs)
2: exciting!
0: Yes. Um, We are, we're getting ready. In fact, I have a a big meeting with uh, my leadership team on Thursday, so I guess that's tomorrow, uh, to kind of look through... Um, everything and try to begin to do some prioritizing the the here's just the um, honest rundown so we, as you know, used uh, a number of one-time dollars last year for recurring expenses. I stand behind that because we desperately needed those bilingual counselors and ESL teachers. That helped fund the teacher uh, increase last year as well. And so we're going to have to come up with some money to sustain those. And that means we're likely going to have to make some internal uh, cuts to to reallocate and make that happen. And my goal is to hold schools harmless, and so that means we're going to have to likely make some cuts at the central office. Um, at the same time, we're going to need some money from the city to as I said, match uh, the governor's uh, teacher raise. Uh, By the way, we did a little calculation. It's probably about $9 million that we're gonna have to come up with to do that 5% raise. And so um, we're gonna be advocating strongly with the city to, to help fund that. And, and that would
2: be that would be nine million dollars, not one-time funds. I remember there was a, 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 an issue a year or so ago where the way it was um, put into the budget was that the raise was actually only the decompression was Correct. only for one year, and then we had issues the following
0: Correct. year. Correct. So, my goal this year would be that everybody gets their one point one seven percent step increase, and then five percent on top of that. So that's what the that's that would be about nine million for us to do, um, and then we need a little bit of extra money to start doing some of the things in the strategic plan. So that's why all this advocacy is so important. And um, we're excited to try to make it all work.
2: Do we have an idea of um, where even with that 5% increase that's proposed, has anybody looked at where that would put Virginia still as far as ranking of teacher pay on average? That's a great
0: question. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Um, I literally just thought of it when I was yeah, sitting no, here. That's so. a, it's
0: a, it's yeah. a really good, really good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I know right now we're kind of we're, pretty low. We're 30th.
2: Yeah, that's only fifty states. That's, that's right. not great. Hmm. It is not. I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure that's bad. That's not
0: good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you can safely say it's below average.
3: I first!
2: D- yes, there we go. <laughs> Coming up, you mentioned rezoning in January. We've mentioned, of course, the MOU. There's so many things going on, and you're coming up on your one-year anniversary. Yeah. So, what does that look like for you? Your one year? Are you doing anything special, or do you have any mile markers that you're hoping to hit?
0: Well, uh, we're we're thinking about (laughs) what what something special we might want to do to to mark that. But you know, really, I um you know when I got here, I I had sort of a number of goals that I wanted to achieve for the first year, and I think we've gotten. Um, a lot of headway on a number of them. One, I wanted to make sure that I was visible and accessible, and so I've tried to do that as much as I possibly can. Making my second round of school visits now, I'm trying to be um, as accessible as I possibly can to to the community. Two, really wanted to try to signal um, a commitment to excellence um, and kind of cleaning things up that needed to be cleaned up, and so whether it was Carver or the high school transcripts or the absenteeism stuff, whatever it was, we've tried to be um, just very honest about it and lean into it and try to get things cleaned up. Three, try to um, offer a little bit of inspiration to folks because I think one of the biggest challenges, you know, people ask me what's what's the biggest challenge you face, and I think it's um, sometimes people lose hope about what is possible, and so. You know, whether it's renaming Obama or um, many of the other things that we've tried to do to show folks that we're trying to do big and interesting things um, for the future, um, I think that has been really important. And then last, try to create a roadmap for the future. And I think we've done that with the strategic plan. We have the corrective action plan. I think kicking off the rezoning and figuring out all the facility stuff um, will also be be key to that but look um, I am never satisfied with the pace of progress and so there is obviously so much more to do, and um, I'm hopeful that that come February uh, we will be able to kind of keep pushing in the same way that we have for for the past year. I'm
2: always excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm like I think I'm just the most excitable person. I'm like I'm oddly not emotional, but I'm very excited. Excitable. Well, All right. no, when
1: when it comes to schools and kids yeah. achieving and you know progress being made in what has been kind of a depressed subject matter, <laughs> you know, it is it's easy to get excited when you see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah.
0: Look, this is a long long, long road ahead of us. Um, we didn't get here in a year, and we won't get out of it in a year. Um, well, but, thanks for
1: being real on that. Yeah. Because like, a lot of people expect you to jump right in and fix everything yeah, Boom, like, like that. Yeah, it's like,
0: why isn't it all done? Um, and they say, why are you moving so fast? Hold on. So um, it's, it's, it's sort of hilarious. Uh, look, our... Um, our rate of progress, and I know we're on radio here. Um, well, uh, I was going to do a graph with my hand, but nobody can see that. Like it's going sh- to it. it's going to be shallow at first, and then it's going to ramp up, um, because it takes time to stabilize and get all the pieces in place that then bear fruit two, three, four years down the road. And so. Um, I know it's hard to ask for patience when kids' lives are on the line. I, like I feel that myself as a, as a parent. So um, I hope everybody knows we are moving as fast as we can um, without uh, moving too fast and doing a bad job. The last thing I wanna do is just throw some slapdash stuff together, hold a press conference, and then like there's no real change. And so it's, it's uh, a lot of the core work is not very sexy. It's just methodical. Um, stabilizing things, getting the right systems in place, getting the right people in place, um, and then just building on that.
2: I think I remember your uh, one of your favorite moments of your first 100 days was a hug yes. at one of the elementary schools. So my question now is, what is your uh, favorite moment this year? Now that we're at the end of the year in 2018.
0: Oh, gosh, so many great moments. You know, I had just last week when um, uh, the governor visited Albert Hill for Computer Science Education Week. Um, The governor visiting was great. That wasn't the the favorite part. The favorite part was um, I sat down with two of our students at Albert Hill and they were explaining to me the coding work that they were doing. And man, was I confused. Not because (laughs) they were bad teachers. They were great, but um, I was just blown away by the cool stuff that they were doing. And it's just a reminder of how extraordinary our kids are and how much they are capable of when we ask them to do real, meaningful, challenging work. And so that was just, um, it just made my day. And um, it just reminds me to keep pushing, keep the bar high. And as as you noted, um, if we just... Listen to our kids, um, empower them to lead. Ask greatness of them; um, they will rise to the occasion. And so um, that was that was a very special moment for me.
2: That's really cool. I mean, I'm blown away by kids all the time that are just like talking about something. You're like, I don't even know how you found that.
3: Right, exactly.
2: (laughs) I just love that they're actually teaching coding in school. That's really.
3: I think that's an
1: amazing thing. They didn't have that sort of thing when I was going to school, um, unless you took a specific elective. Right. You know that. Nobody was elective. taking, and they didn't even really
0: right, right. push it,
1: especially to girls. That's right. They didn't really push STEM type of things on girls. And these and were so, two
0: young women teaching me at Arbor Oh, wow. Which so, yes, even better. Yes, thrills absolutely, me. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Um, and so, yeah, RPS is doing a good thing to uplift up its girls and also um, get folks involved in STEM programs. So yes, absolutely. Really exciting.
2: So do you have anything uh, before we close out that you want to mention or highlight for people as we go into the holidays, but also continue the March for more?
0: (coughs) Yeah, I just want to remind everybody about the the CAP meeting tonight. Um, I want to remind everybody about January 28th and making sure that you have that on your calendars.
2: What time is it at?
0: Um... I believe it's 11. Um, It's going to start in Monroe Park. Um, But if you go to VirginiaEducatorsUnited.com, they have all the information there.
1: And bring your kids because it's a really great civics lesson.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I just want to, as we go into the holidays, just say thank you to everybody. Um, I I love RPS. And... um, I'm just so grateful to get to work with our teachers and our kids and everybody around the community. We truly, truly need everyone's help, and the city has been just so gracious. And um, I couldn't be more grateful going into the holiday season. Yeah, this job is a little bit crazy, um, but I enjoy a little bit of crazy. um, And I want folks to know that I remain even more optimistic and excited about the new year and uh, look forward to seeing everybody out and about.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you for coming back. And we'll hopefully see you sometime next year soon.
0: Can't wait. Awesome. All right. Take care, guys.
2: You've been listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania here on WRIR LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. And we want to remind you all to come on out here on. December 23rd, which is this coming Sunday at 3 p.m., to record a very special holiday episode with us. We'll have some cookies and some hot apple cider, I hear. And we want you to hear your hopes and dreams and wishes for Richmond in 2019. So until then, we will see you later. And Fran,
3: take it away. Thanks, listeners, for joining us today. You know how we end our shows. Flint still has dirty water. RPS is still not fully funded. And Richmond is still racist, but we're working on it.
1: Oh, and don't forget to hit us up across all social media at Dirt.